how hard did you push it till I black out? Yes. Numerous times, yes. One, two, let's go. What's happening to your spouses, Chris and Ashton? What's going on, buddy? I realize that I start every one of these by saying not much, man. So I'm not saying that. Uh, I just told you before we press record, I if Gonzaga won the national championship, I was going to win $150 in cash and then Baylor won. So I still win 25% of the pool, but you know, it's not super fun when you just kind of watch money evaporate, not just any money. I also lost my buddy, Nick, who I've mentioned several times back to back years. Me and him have been one and two, and it all comes down to who wins the national championship. And both times I've been wrong. Last time I picked Texas, this time I picked or Texas Tech, and then this time I picked against Baylor. So the state of Texas is really doing me dirty. But with, with some of the stuff that's coming out going on Texas, I think Texas is doing everybody a little bit dirty right now. So uh, that's how I start off this podcast by moping about, you know, found money. I paid $10 for this. I'm going to make money and somehow I'm sitting here uh, bitching to you. So I don't know. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing fine. Now you know how it feels to be a PGA <laughs> tour player that is going for second ends up uh, double bogeying and gets into fourth place and loses $190,000 for, for two, for two strokes, which is rough. Well, I can confidently tell you that is the only time in my life someone will compare me to a PGA Tour pro. So, you know, man, I, I, I very much appreciate that comp. But yeah, but that's true. They talk about on Shotgun Start how, especially the Tour Championship, what would make it more fun? Because the PGA is trying to act that they're not using the FedEx Cup to just hand out piles of cash. It would be incredible if they had like a like a stroke counter. It's like the last day. It's like Sung Jam's like, made this putts for like, I mean, some of those putts, I think like it was Scotty Scheffler last year, Scotty Scheffler had a putt for like $690,000. Like, yeah, it's like, let's say the quiet part out loud. That would be so fun. It's like, can you make a 15 footer for $700,000? Like, and then watch, like- and then watch a dude rip a check when he misses it just right in front of him. Done. You lost it all. That would be great. It'd be amazing. That- that would be, be something to watch. They'd get a lot more viewership into golf if that if that was the case. Cool. And the thing that's just so funny is golf is pretty aggressively leaning into DraftKings and all this stuff. So it's like if you're going to – I don't know. It's just like it's, it's funny how like one part, you know, Bryson's got DraftKings on his dumb hat. And then on the other part, PGA doesn't want to talk about how they're, you know, using, using the – they're a 501c3 nonprofit to funnel these guys just so much money as independent contractors. But but it's weird. But as a great segue, speaking of losing money, uh, I lost money playing golf with us on Friday. So why don't you tell the people what we did on Friday, Big C? Oh, Friday was a day. Uh, we did 36 holes at Dark Horse. We were supposed to play the Ridge in Auburn, um, both courses in Auburn, California. Unfortunately, and luckily, actually, on the last hole, uh, we got stuck on the tee box and the group behind us rolled up on us. And, you know, just just us being us started up a conversation with these fellas. And we were telling them that we were about to head over to the ridge after we finished up with our rounded dark horse. And he was like, hey, just so you know, they just punched the back nine. So you're going to have to double loop the front. They have it completely closed. So we look at each other and we're like, uh maybe after this round we try to find another course to go play and uh and kind of swerve and alternate to a uh to a better venue so we can uh you know enjoy ourselves a little bit more but 
um, we ended up at a course called Timber Creek, uh, which is one of the courses that I grew up next to when we moved to Sacramento when I was in my teen years. And it's a awesome, awesome Billy Casper course. Uh, unfortunately, they did just punch there. And so we did, weren't informed on that. So it was a little sandy, but, you know, we were still able to putt on it. It wasn't it wasn't horrendous or anything like that. And they had all 18 open. The course was in pristine condition. I mean, it's it's sort of like when you're driving in your car and you swerve to avoid a raccoon and then end up hitting the other car head on to be, to be clear that that's a bit aggressive because like we actually had a lovely day. Um, and after Dark Horse, we'll talk about this punched us so hard in the face, like Timber Creek and this is going to sound like I'm dunking on I'm not. It's just kind of like a handshake course. Like you're not going to get eviscerated. I didn't lose a golf ball. I think I lost like four or five golf balls at Dark Horse. It's just... And also, too, the punch greens, like, not ideal, but I'm not going to lie, after Dark Horse, aiming at the hole and hitting it hard and just kind of, like, listening to some iration, I mean, I, I didn't hate it. It's kind of what we needed because Dark Horse, like, it, it just felt like, yeah, someone punched me in the face and I, I didn't quite know how to respond. Yeah, I mean, Dark Horse is it. So we'll get into it right now. So Dark Horse is one of my favorite golf courses, I would say, in Northern California. Uh, I, it's probably more challenging and I always play from, from tees that I probably shouldn't, I should always play one more up than I should because it is a very, very hard golf course. I mean, it's there. It, you do not hit into a, you do not hit into a flat lie ever. You're hitting into a downhill fairway, uphill fairway, the entire course. I mean, unless you're in a par three, which to be honest, I think only one par three even has a flat approach to it. Everything else is either elevated or above, you know, or the greens above you. And it's, it's a extremely challenging um, course to play, but it's beautifully set uh, in the Sierra Nevada, you know, foothills right up in Auburn, California, the logo is sick. That was, I think, Ashton's first first thing when you when you roll up. And we, I think, both of us are sucker for a solid logo. And and Dark Horse has like, I what what do you explain it as when you when you rolled up to to Dark Horse? What the lit logo came to you as? It looks like Greek mythology. Like what yeah. they, like, like when the Greeks used to like write um, like tell stories on pottery. I know that sounds very specific. I I'm a, I was in a formal very, very Disney Hercules. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I did, <laughs> that's so true. I, I, I immediately tell you that I'm a dork about Latin and then you're talking about Hercules, which is cool. So let's talk about Hercules, not me uh, in a toga in, uh, <laughs> in high school. But yeah, it, it's just this really cool, like, like ancient Greek style. I was like, I want that in a visor. Like I would have paid $40 to have that on a visor immediately. And it's always kind of a bummer when places don't have the merch you want. Cause they, as you said, they had sweatshirts at dark horse golf course, but there's no logo. And when you have a great logo, put it on everything. One thing I do love about dark horse, this is a blue collar track. When you roll up to it, it looks like it's a little bit more prestigious. And then you roll into the parking lot and it's all gravel. (laughs) and they have a clubhouse that's the size of most uh, bathrooms on golf courses. And so 
it, it, it you roll up there's a there's a kid that's working the window that checks you in th- throws you a key every every golf cart is is beat up and rickety and you barely turns it, it and it's not a course that you want to walk so everybody carts on it on this course because it is a treacherous up and down spread out in between holes not enjoyable at all to walk um but you know it's the people that you meet out there are just you know people that either retirees or you know like i said blue collar workers that are just getting out to getting around but it has bermuda sand throughout the entire course which really makes a pop really make i mean the course looks incredible just because of how bright white these these uh bunkers are which are new i think they did them in 2019 so they're only been that way for a few years but that addition completely changed it because how lush and green the entire golf course is it it shows so much better with how white the contrast of the sand is to the entire course which i mean in that aspect it's it's just there isn't a bad part about the golf course. The, the, you know, grass range that they have is double ended with, you know, you know, great putting green on each end. Um, they've got, you know, an insane, um, you know, little cart barn, like I've said in the past with a awesome hot dog, uh, hot dog stand there, which we'll get to and we'll get into our rating. Cause in my mind, they do have a wonderful uh, hot dog. It is incredible. Um, but Ashton, what were your favorite holes out of Dark Horse? Yeah. So my first one, I'll kind of go in sequential order, was number two. Because number one is a, it's a pretty hard hole. Number one is a, a dog leg right. Uh, and you can't, I mean, you kind of told us where to hit it. I think we all hit horrible tee shots, uh, but you kind of told us where to hit it. We didn't hit it in the right spot, but it looks kind of like a normal golf hole. Number two, I think really sets the tone for what you're going to see a lot of. It's a, not a super long, but an aggressively uphill par four. And you have to, a lot of kind of clicking with your yardage finder around like a lot of strategically placed bunkers where it's like, you can't really tell what to hit off the tee because based off of the yardage on the book, you probably don't have to hit driver based off the fact that it's uphill. Maybe you should hit driver based off of where these different bunkers are placed again, maybe you shouldn't hit driver. So I think what I appreciate about just cause the course in general is the way that it makes you think. So number two, I think is just like, you kind of get up on the tee and I think I looked at you and I was like, I get it. Like we've played one hole. Um, and I was like, I, I get it. And I think that you would point it on the back nine. I think that again, if you like uphill par fours, I've never played a course like that. I mean, there's, there's one track we played in Alabama on the Robert Trent Jones trail. That's similar, kind of like the front nine at bodega, Chris. Yeah. Um, but two, I think really stood out to me. Uh, and then they have a, it's, it's got like after this really uphill par, this really uphill fairway, then you have this really interesting green pen was all the way in the back. Um, so a really interesting. With a false front. So if you do miss it, you know, short, it's going to come right off, but it's got a very forgiving backside. So if the pin is playing back left, there's a giant, you know, bull slope that comes back into the green. So you can play it far and it should come back and save you too. So, you know, it's, 
it's one of those courses that will kick you in the mouth, but also if you know where to hit the spots, it's very scorable as well. You just, you really do have to hit your spots on this course or it's going to just penalize you heavily. And I feel like this is going to sound like a cop out because I feel like we say this, you could, people could say, you could say this about any course. I think that of any of the courses we've played in a long time, Dark Horse is one that I feel like every time you play it, you just get leaps and bounds better. Um, Because going into that thing, I mean, even having you as the Sherpa, there was a lot of times I felt very ill-equipped. And I think that like, it's got to take five or six rounds out there before it's like, okay, like I actually know where to hit it here. I know where I can and can't leave it. Um, Which again, just makes me want to get back up there. But for me, number two kind of set the tone for the entire day. So what about you? Uh, So my first, I would say my first favorite hole was number six. So it's the first, or I would say, no, second par three on the front nine. Um, A beautiful, beautiful par three. It's not too long. Um, You know, I think from the, we were playing from the copper, it was 143. So, you know, not, not long at all, but the scenery of it is beautiful. There's a creek that runs right along the front at front edge of it. Um, they have beautiful flowers growing up, red flowers growing up on the back end of it. Which should we call Chris Hussey out for asking if those were, what was it? He's like red Sydney. rocks. He's like yeah. red rocks. They in a cult. That's like, I mean, that's nobody has ever thought those are rocks. Hussey like, also wears glasses. So maybe, maybe he needs to get his prescription checked. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Right? That, that's on Hussey. I was waiting for you to call him four eyes or something like you're like back in like, like think about how let's have a side note for think about how mean kids are. Like I remember back being in, like people calling kids who wear glasses four eyes. Like what a mean thing to tell a child. Chris, yeah. to be clear, I know you're listening to this. I'm not calling you four eyes. I'm just saying that that's a mean thing to say. And we value you and your friendship quite a bit. But what I am saying, Chris, is that if you think that red flowers are red rocks. We might need to get you to an optometrist. I'm just saying. Yeah, Anyways. So we get up on this beautiful par three, and then it goes down this rabbit hole of satanic rocks, Lil Nas X, the 666 blood shoes, which is, if you don't know what that is, go Google it or don't. It's really weird. But yeah, par three. Tell the people. We're not talking about Lil Nas X. Par three. So it, it gives you very big gust of vibes on this hole. Um, really, really, really beautiful. I mean, with the creek running through and being spring and having a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the snow and everything up in the Sierras starting to melt. It's actually really flowing heavily. So it it's beautiful out there at the moment. Uh, and I would say they're probably one of the only courses that haven't punched right now. So, it, you know, their greens were rolling really, really, you know, pure the entire day too. I mean, which that's the one, if I could give anything, you know, any criticism to Dark Horse would be their some of their green complexes they're they're golf yeah a little little bit of goofy golf there's not any rhyme or reason to them um there's no flow to a lot of the greens they're kind of you know undulated in the weirdest ways or it could have also been the way you know pins were placed that day and and things like that but you know every time i've played out there it kind of just seems like you know the greens aren't they're not really the most readable greens that I've ever played. 
And, you know, one, you'll think the ball is going to roll one way and it rolls the other way. And it's just the whole day you're constantly guessing and checking yourself. And once you think you have figured out, it will throw you through a loop and drive you fucking crazy. So, you know, that, that's the one thing that I think I still have not figured out a dark horse. And I don't think it ever will figure out a dark horse, those greens, but just the course layout is absolutely incredible. And I would say six is probably one of my favorite par threes I've ever played and just I would say for scenery purposes one of my favorite I've played it's not the most challenging not the most crazy interesting par three but the scenery is absolutely spectacular out there uh what would you say second favorite hole well for me it's number seven um seven is so you play this really short par three that chris just told us about um and also want to emphasize what he said about the water um to use i think it's a alliteration or onomatopoeia one of those fancy words babbling brook babbling brook like yes. it really like i mean you're sitting there on the green and you can hear like it's kind of like i use like a rain sound at night like you really have like that sound is like it's so peaceful out there and there's yeah. no main roads that run along i mean no two holes uh, run along one road but i mean you get a car every 12 minutes you know 20 minutes or some you know like that so it it is so quiet and peaceful on the entire property it's yeah you know you can hear all the birds chirping all the you know babbling brooks going along the entire course and it the course has you know brooks and creeks and everything running through the entirety of it you you see him through the entire course and it's also challenging but beautiful you know to have them you know around as well yeah so the next one for me is number seven it's a downhill par five uh you can hit it i mean you want to be careful going left but you have a lot of room right but the reason I think it's such uh, such a genius hole is I took the little bit of a safer route. Uh, I went towards the right side of that fairway, hit a good drive. And then I actually, I mean, I, I really, I hit a really good drive. I had like, I think like one, I think I had 178 into that flag. But the reason it's such good golf architecture is because I went to the easier side, meaning the right where there's more room, I had the ball pretty aggressively below my feet. And basically everywhere to the left of the green, left of the fairway is water. And so like, you know, if you give up on that six iron, you're just going to hit it in the water. Right. So even though I had like a low ish, I mean, obviously 178 yards into a par five is not a lot. It basically forced me to bail out, which of course I did. So I, I missed the green on the right side, putted it on or chipped it on and, and, and two putted from there to make par. But I really like that where, you know, you go the easier route, you've got the harder shot. It's actually, I mean, I'm not trying to invoke Augusta into this, but I mean, it is like what they talk about the Augusta, right? Like basically the, you're, you're incentivized on certain holes to hit it in the right spot. So you can have a bit of a flatter lie. And I think that like you over, you hit it a little closer to the water. Um, you had a much flatter lie than I did. So I think that's a really interesting hole. I also saw Chris just crush a through i think it was a seven wood into the water drop yeah. a ball and just like swing away immediately and hit the best seven wood i've ever seen like it literally almost went in the hole but it was just crazy to watch him like <laughs> hit one uh i think a little bit chunky and then hit the next one and i was like oh so you made it <laughs> and then i think you had a putt for par right yeah putt for par and that that's what we talk about sometimes it's just better to catch and shoot 
instead of sit there and, and think through the process. So catch and shoot, man. Catch and shoot is sometimes the best best thing, especially when you have a shot with so much going for it, going over yeah. water, a little bit above your feet, you know, all these different things in thought processes. You definitely want to think about those things, but after you think about them, you want to just step up and hit it. And when you take two or three practice swings and then step up and, you know, adjust your face, do all your just bullshit, and then, then hit the ball, 90% of the time that's going to not go well. Yeah. No, so, totally agree. So re- really love seven. Um, yeah. And also I think it's Great just, hole. I think it's also just fun to have sort of a risk reward hole after, you know, a pretty, I mean, again, you hit gap wedge into the hole before. So I think it's kind of interesting to have a hard hole. And then we won't, uh, did you bring up eight, Chris? Is that one of yours? No, eight's not one of mine. I, my next yeah. two are on the back nine. Okay. Well, the one thing I'll mention that I think is worth pointing out number eight from the tees we think they actually put the tees in the wrong spot uh number eight was a 460 62 yard par four woof i mean like that was ridiculous yeah and the funniest thing is i made par i i I yanked my drive right topped my six iron hit a gap wedge to like nine feet and then made a slider and i was like well that's that's that that's a really special score and then of course with the next hole i think i hit it on and, and three jack for bogey but just to call it number eight now one of my favorite holes i mean you know we're decent at golf i don't need to be playing 460 yard par fours no that was that was definitely somebody that either didn't know what they were doing or just didn't care when they were putting those out but it was it was definitely i mean the card says on that hole that the the back tees are 448 so we were playing 20 behind the back tees and they still had back tees behind us so i mean someone if that was coming through playing the back tees were hitting probably a 5 510 par 4 which is ridiculous and i'm pretty sure longer than some of their par 5s so oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It just shows, you know, hashtag par is a construct. Ridiculous. I mean, actually, all of their par fives are fairly, fairly hefty. So, yeah. I mean, number four, my God. Like, you, you have nowhere, you, you just have nowhere to hit it the whole time. Super. Long. And number 11. Yeah. I mean, well, it's a little bit more wide open, but, you know, 577 from the tips is whoosh. Yeah. I mean, that's deep. Better, better at some real golf shots. But, yeah, but t- take us to your second favorite hole, Chris. So, second favorite hole would be 13. So, I, you know, I'm a little bit of a sucker for par threes. I, I've said this in the past, and, you know, this, is, this has got to be one of my favorite par threes I think I've ever played. Um, is cool. elevated tee box and you got to go up a couple sets of stairs to get to, you know, to get to the back tees or the one ups, which we played. And the green is fairly wide open, but there's some trees that hang over. So you can't hit it. You know, you really can't hit a draw or fade. You kind of have to hit it right at it because you'll, you'll kind of, you know, have a little issues with trees on the left to the right, right off the tee box. But it's, it's a really, really cool hole. You can kind of bail out far left, uh, you know, far left off the green and you'll, you'll be safe over there. But I mean, it's just a straight up, you know, big green, 
you know, hit, hit it, step up to it, you know, just a really fun, close to the pin, throw some money down kind of hole. Yeah, that was a good one. I mean, selfishly, I hit it about six feet and missed my birdie putt. That was uh, off the club because it, it's so far below you, the green. It's like I hit it and I was like, I don't know. It could be short, could be long. Like it's, it, it hangs in the air for so long that I, you have no idea until it gets down there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a freaking cool hole. And again, you've got the babbling brook that runs along the back end of it. So it's just picturesque as well from that from that level it's absolutely incredible yeah and then my last one is number 14 right after basically a, a big kind of risk reward par uh very short par four uh i think it's 298 if i remember correctly um but yeah it was just interesting because we all played it differently i hit six iron uh six iron lob wedge and i was joking with chris i was like I mean, I guess you can get it on the green, but I don't know why you wouldn't just do that, right? If you've got, I, literally, I hit a 60-degree wedge, six iron, 60-degree wedge. You know, no, I didn't make birdie, but, like, the worst you're going to make is par, where on that hole, there's a bunker kind of in the middle that would be a very hard out. There's also crap all along the right side. There's water up by the green. So, and then there's a tree on the left side. So, like, I think you would, you would just have to hit a perfect shot um, to have a shot at, you know, to be on that green or near it. So I don't think it's worth it, but I think similar to you, you said you're a sucker for par threes. I'm always a sucker for a short par four. I mean, cause I just love that there's options where it's like, if you want to risk it and hit driver, do it. But if you want to be super smart and hit, I mean, you could hit seven iron sandwich. Like, I like that. I, I just, like we talked about, I like options. And I think a 298 yard par four with water up front is kind of the perfect indication of that. I think I think both of us just like scorable options where it just doesn't seem like a hole is just so daunting that it's just like all right well I'm just gonna feel great with getting a par on this hole that's just not enjoyable and you know there it's like number eight it's like if we hit a good drive like we hit driver hybrid you know and then like maybe make a par like yeah, I mean, that, that, you're right. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it's not very exciting, right? I mean, I guess no. someone could be like, well, it means you have to like execute perfectly on two great golf shots. Like, well, I mean, maybe, but like, that's just not the kind of style of golf. Like, I, I don't want to feel constantly overwhelmed on the course. That's yeah, why and, it's important to play the right tees. And that's why no, my third favorite is 18, because it's a very eagleable, like, you can eagle. 18 very easy it's a you know from the one-ups we it was 489 if you and it's a downhill fairway so if you hit the fairway in the correct spot your ball will shoot off and get you know get a good roll a little bit down the hill i think i was two about 220 in and, um, of course I did the same thing I did back on eight where I hit it short, right in the little babbling crook, right. Or crook. Wow. Uh, babbling Creek right in the front. Yeah. It was a crook. It robbed my fucking ball from me. Um, so babbling but, brook to babbling crook to babbling Creek because yeah. you're thinking about timber Creek. Soon. Yeah. So the segue artist is fully coming it's out. It's starting to come out, but it was also a crook cause it stole my shit from me. I was pissed. So again, drop the ball, hit a slamming three wood into the back, uh, you know, back of the green. Great, great shot. But of course, you know, now I'm 
you know, putting for par because I had to drop my drop my great eagle chance that that just was diminished right off the bat. But um, it's it's one of my favorite you know finishing holes. I think you know I've played in Northern California because it's elevated tee box. You can kind of grip it and rip it. You don't want to miss left because that Creek runs all the way um, along the left wraps right back around in front of the green and then runs all the way along the right side. And then kind of has a little bridge that you kind of drive over and back up the hill before you go back to the clubhouse. So it, you really cannot miss left because you'll be in that Creek. And I think, was it Hussey or Jack that that found the left side? I think it was – I actually don't know. I'm not sure. One of them found the left side and found how dangerous it is to be over there, and it definitely was penalizing for them to finish there. Well, the well, over there. well, that's why I decided to pull – like literally pull a hybrid right because I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I think I hit hybrid wedge wedge. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere near that. Yeah. I mean, the safe play uh, on the hole is definitely to hit, you know, either your five wood, you know, driving iron, what, whatever you're going to hit 200, hit another, you know, 200 yard shot, leave yourself with 120, you know, hundred in. Yeah. That's kind of the, the main play play there. You kind of, you kind of want to stick with that because kind of what, what I did was the, uh, was the idiot way of playing that hole and the hero way of, or when playing Vegas and trying to make a little bit of money back, it is the, the opportune way of, of trying to get some, some money back that turns wrong. Cause you get on the green, have par putt, and then you end up double bogeying with a triple with a three putt. So that's how 18 went for me. Hate that. But yeah, so I think we both would say, I mean, those are, those are kind of six holes we wanted to highlight, but overall great course, get out there. Um, the other things we should probably talk about are the pros and cons in a good way. So um, I think for a con, we just have to be honest. Uh, it took us five hours and 20 minutes in carts to play on Friday morning at a 8 a.m. starting time. Which is just egregious. I mean, it's, yeah. um, and, and I think the hard part was, you know, some people are going to listen to this and think that I'm copping out here, but I just totally lost focus on the back nine um, because there, we, there was a lot of waiting. It just, I, I just felt like I totally got out of my rhythm. And I was talking to my dad about this earlier. And he, I mean, he was saying, he actually went so far as to say that he said that he thinks pace of play is even more important than greens. Cause for him, his whole thing is like, he's, he likes morning golf. He likes being super efficient. Like if my dad knew he could play golf in two and a half hours, like he'd probably play all the time. But he was like, I told him about our day on Saturday or on Friday. And he was like, dude, he's like, I don't, he, his quote was, I wouldn't play Augusta national in six hours. Meaning like if someone was like, you're going to play Augusta, it's going to take you six hours. Of course, I think that actually is how it works. because Everyone's so slow taking pictures, but his point was to say, I don't care how good the golf course is. If it's six hours, I'm out. They do, they, you can't take pictures of Augusta. Actually, you can't have your cell phone on premises. Oh, just so you know, that's why you don't see anybody with pictures of them. No, but I, I thought that course. was different than the masters than like, if you can go play, like, I thought like me, like I think Kyle Porter was from CBS. Like he played the Monday after and I thought you could take pictures. Maybe they let press 
take them, but I know as a invitee from a uh, member, uh, they take your cell phone at the door. Interesting. Yeah. It's the same at Pine Valley as well. That's why you don't see any pictures at Pine Valley um, because they take your phone at the door. Well, this is not meant to get an argument about this, but I watched the, the making of the masters that came out the other day. And I think it was cam champ. And he's like walking in between holes and he goes, I got to get a picture of this and pulls out his phone. That again, I think media and pros are a little different. Yeah. Than, I, I guess like, yeah, probably like tour guys are a bit different. It's the same. It's same as, uh, with, uh, Cypress. Like if you go to Cypress point, there's no cell phones on premises. There's a lot of private courses kind of are no cameras from, from guests. Yeah. And I can't speak on pros or anything, but I know sure. of people that have played both and yeah, it, they're super strict on that. But anyways, yeah. um, one, one, of the, one of the stories I have to have my dad tell is when he went to, uh, he got invited one of, one of his friends to play, um, secession the golf course in i forget where in south carolina but the one where they signed the secession documents i know it's a little bit of a yikes but it's a really nice private course they have a no cell phone no cell phone uh rule on property and my dad has one buddy he can tell you about who means well really nice guy but just like does not ever pay attention to the details apparently they were like on the porch and he's like picking up his phone talking super loud and like the staff there was just like like very politely, like you need to like hang up the phone immediately and like put that away immediately. And like, he's like having this really loud conversation on the porch. I'm like, we're not even supposed to have any, any cell phones on the property. Just kind of hearing that story from my dad. I was like, Oh wow, that's real. Like, like places really do have those policies. Meanwhile, we're sitting at, you know, Diablo Creek, 45 minutes past our tea time, having a kid's clinic. And my dad's at places where they're like, sir, you know, what can I get you? Like, there's no cell phones on property. We're like, we're just trying to tee off on time. Like, that's all we care about, please. (laughs) I I don't care if there's people talking loud on their phones or, you know, blasting music in their carts. Just pace of play needs to be there. That's all I care about. Yeah. So that's, that's, you know, we just had to point that out. Like it was a very slow round. Um, and also weird too, like just again, something I don't totally understand. They put out a twosome behind us and the golf course was very stacked up. So the twosome bailed after 14, but you know, I know I'm, I know I'm the snowflake on this podcast, but like, it just was kind of, uh, it just got a little bit old. The fact of like, we were playing fast, like when we're on the tee box waiting and then these guys twosome behind us is like right on our tail you know, again, I just, they could have been a little more thoughtful about how they put groups out. They definitely could have used a marshal. Um, and also interesting, I think like there was one, I mean, the, the, the difference in the two courses, you know, Diablo Creek had, you know, great marshals who were keeping an eye. Um, I think that's a really big, really big yeah, and important Timber Creek. You know? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No. Yeah. But Timber Creek had, they had a marshal that checked in a couple of times, right? Um, so we didn't see any on-course marshals at Timber Creek, but they did have a starter that was super on point about, you know, checking every single person in, making sure you're teeing off exactly at your tee time. And then also, you know, making sure telling everybody that, you know, this course is played in three and a half hours, you know, yeah, that's right. this is exactly how long you should play it. It shouldn't take you any longer than that. He was, you know, very informative and actually, you know, one of the nicest guys ever, I would say that was, you know, the staff at Timber Creek is, 
I would say that is probably the one up that Timber Creek had over Dark Horse, where Dark Horse kind of just had, you know, a younger guy working the counter that was checking people in. And I didn't really see anybody else working there other than the guy in the car barn. No. My, my, minus the there was a lot of guys raking bunkers which is kind of funny like hussy almost murdered yeah him. he had his drive right down the middle but almost in a ferry bunker and we had to yell for and to kind of the guy sitting in the middle of the bunker also right. super scary every single one of their groundskeepers had headphones on yeah. in the morning on a friday while people are all hitting like in standing in the middle of these bunkers in the middle of fairways like right where people are hitting and with their backs at us like we couldn't yell at them and inform them that we were hitting or anything it was just like like you just said hussy hit a solid drive that you know ended up on two ended up in the middle bunker in the middle of the fairway and was a good 10 feet from this guy like on the fly yeah it was crazy ridiculous yeah that was that was a little scary on a lot of those holes but luckily they were just working on the front nine we didn't see them after like the fifth hole yeah well chris before we jump over to to timber creek give the people the quick review of the hot dog and then let's let's move on oh so they do it right so they they outsource their 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 hot dogs to a little hot dog stand that gets uh, propped up right next to the cart barn and serves, you know, cold beer and, uh, and cold drinks right out of an ice, right out of the cooler, you know, great hot dogs out of a steamer, which if you're a hot dog connoisseur like myself, a steamed hot dog is the absolute best way of eating a hot dog. And the reason that is because it creates a nice casing on the outside that pops when you bite into it, nothing like it. And they, they had solid condiment or condiment, um, you know, choices, top notch. I'm giving that a solid eight out of 10, which is pretty much almost a perfect score for me. So they lack in customer service to make up for the dog. The dog was fantastic. And I think Hussey even had one and said how it was one of the best he's had. Yeah. I brought my bag chicken, which for people at home, I, yeah, I'm on this diet and I literally. It's legit a bag of, of just cooked chicken, cold cooked chicken. Yeah. So real interesting. Yeah. But I was going to say, I just sound like such a boring person. Um, yeah, and so like Timber- four cups of coffee. Oh my god, a lot of coffee. Yeah, Th- about sixty ounces of cold coffee, and then two packages of cold chicken. So, so coffee was much needed for this. So we'll we'll get into this real quick. So anybody planning a thirty-six hole day, do not drive somewhere that's two two and a half hours from where you're at. Play an eight a.m. round then proceed to play another 18 hole round right after that and drive another hour to that golf course and then proceed to drive an hour and a half to two hours home. It is probably one of the worst days you'll have other than being on the golf course. 
in between, for some reason, we'd get like little spurts when we were on the golf course, we were good. But the minute we walked off, we were all exhausted. Brutal. It was absolutely brutal. If you're going to do a 36 and it's more than 45 minutes away, I recommend, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, I recommend staying the night, the night before. It's not. It was too much. It's worth splitting a hotel room with somebody's getting an Airbnb, doing whatever you need to do to be able to get a good night's sleep, wake up and actually enjoy yourselves. Because I think I got two hours of sleep the night before. But, the, but that's also your fault. You, 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 every time we play golf in the morning, you act like you're a little kid who's going to get a bike the next morning on Christmas. Like I am. I'm going to play 36 holes with my buddies. I'm stoked. I can't get sleep. It sucks. And then I so basically what happened was I invite Ashton to come stay at my house to kind of cut his drive in half so he doesn't have to drive all the way from the city to Auburn. So he comes and stays the night at my house. I can't sleep all night. Um, so because literally because he's so excited. I, I'm assuming that's the reason. I don't know what was going on. Anyways, can't sleep. We wake up. I I basically go, hey, Ashton, you're driving to, to Auburn. I'm going to sleep the entire way, which I pretty much did, other than us stopping to get some breakfast. It was like 45 uh, minutes, and I was like, my guy, I need some coffee because my eyes are – are, are okay but the 440 wake up time is starting to be like hello 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 yeah so we stop we get some you know coffee and breakfast and then i just let it sit there and unfortunately the cheese on my sausage mcmuffin or muffin from starbucks ends up your, leaking onto my pants, pants. <laughs> so that was that was sick i had a grease stain right right on my crotch it was a great look showing up to to our 8 a.m round yeah, just no, nothing like Big C in the morning at 7 a.m. aggressively rubbing his crotch to get grease off of it. It's, it's, it everything, it's everything you could ever want in a friend. Uh, you know, especially when you wear khaki shorts. It's just the perfect color to wear when you stain something. I hate that for you. Uh, anyways, so we get there. I pound a little bit of coffee, and unfortunately, you know, I'm half asleep, so I only pound half of it and then leave it in the car. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't even drink your whole coffee. It was, oh, it was, it was rude, rude myself to myself, not to uh, consume that entire thing because my rounded dark horse found, fell like, or felt like I was in complete twilight zone. It was out of body experience because I was so damn tired. Um, but after we left dark horse, it, you know, the course in, in the actual, you know, experience we had playing the course was was great other than the pace of play you know the the conditions were wonderful the course layout is wonderful but 8 a.m on a friday five and a half hour round is ridiculous so we we leave after we get that little hint at uh that dark horse or i'm sorry that the ridge is just punched we decide to you know take the little swerve and go to timber creek because that's a course that i used to play and i wanted to introduce these guys for a while so Ashton, it's kind of a tale of two sides at, at Timber Creek. Um, it's so the front nine is very much your your uh, development golf golf course. I mean, it, it's got everything that people hate in 
in kind of, you know, a public golf development golf course with fountains on almost every hole and, you know, water features and, you know, it, you, it, let's have you kind of give your take on what the, what you thought of the front nine. It felt like we were, I mean, the weird part is after dark horse and the undulation and the challenge, I liked it. But to your point, the biggest thing I kept thinking about was there's just so much fountain content, like just so much, so many fountains, like number one, two, number three is a straightaway par four, but up like 40 yards in front of the green, there's a, there's a little pond left. There's a little pond, right. And there's a fountain in each one, like totally unnecessary. You're you're really not going to hit it. I think it's just because the people really probably like fountains. Um, and it, you definitely get the sense too of you're kind of playing golf in a, in a subdivision again, not in a bad way, but it's a lot of fountains. It's you know a lot of OB and houses, and you're like, oh, okay. And then you get to the back nine, and it felt like you're in like North, like you're felt like you're in the Carolinas. It felt like you're, it felt like we were in the no laying up tourist off season. It was like you're in these like big oak trees. You know, for a lot of it, you don't really even see any houses. So it's. I don't, I cannot really think of a two, nine holes that are more different. Cause again, that front nine is sort of like old people subdivision golf. And then the back nine is like super cool Muni, you know, Carolina vibes. Yeah. So it's a Billy Casper design. Um, and it's in, if anybody's familiar with sun city, so sun city is a, you know, big corporation that builds these giant 55 and older communities. And there's a couple of them in the, you know, suburbs of Sacramento. There's one in Roseville, one in Lincoln, and they, they both have, you know, really good golf courses built in them. And when you play the front nine of, of Timber Creek, it's, it kind of gives you, you're kind of like, oh, well, this is just a cookie cutter golf course. It's not, nothing great. The greens are really good throughout the entire course. I think that's what kind of saves the front nine a little bit. Um, they're all really big, but they all, you know, have rhyme and reason to them. You know, they all flow really well. Um, the conditions are mint at Timber Creek. They are incredible conditions throughout the entire course. The one thing I will say is Timber Creek is definitely meant for you to enjoy yourself throughout the day. It's not long. It's 6,200 from the tips. Um, it's wide open through the entire golf course. There's not a lot of places that you can get in trouble. I'd say the back nine is a little tighter than the front nine, um, but not, particularly um it has a little bit more trees it it has you know a little bit more character to it but i wouldn't say that it's more challenging it, like like ashton was saying the front nine has a little bit more you know water features and and things like that that are you know in your way where the back nine has a little bit more strategic you know bunker placements and the green you know, the greens allow them to place the pins in a little bit more tighter spots to kind of make it a little bit more challenging on the back. Um, but it, yeah, it's very, very different when you play the front and it's, you know, line, every single hole is lined with houses 
with these little, you know, cinder block walls that are only about a foot tall, you know, going along every hole or every hole. And there's not a lot of trees. It's wide open and sunny. And then you get to the back nine, like you said, it's, it's all, you know, covered in trees and willows and oaks and it, it's very shaded. It it's completely different. And back nine is absolutely enjoyable. It's one of my, you know, one of my pleasures that I got to play as a kid all the time. Yeah. Had a great time, especially with the sanded greens, but would love to get back out there when things are, um, things a little bit better. Also curious. I don't know if you got a hot dog, but I did not eat there, but how's the food? The food's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, I would say Timber Creek is very country club vibes without being a country club. Um, the majority of the people, that are there are within the community. So they do have a big restaurant and dining hall that they rent out and they do a lot of events and stuff for the community and the 55 and, you know, the whole sun city thing. So the restaurant is pretty good. You know, we got some burgers there cause I want something with a little bit more substance. So it, I would say the food is fantastic. And I've had a bunch of my friends in high school that were servers there as well. And it, it's a great, you know, place for, for that kind of community. And it's great for anybody that, you know, of that age that, you know, wants some, you know, wants some that's of their own. They don't need to go out into, you know, any other city. They've got their kind of own community and they've got little golf cart uh, lanes through the entire community, which is hilarious. None of them drive their cars. They just golf cart all over the place, which is just freaking hilarious in itself and they've all got their personalized golf carts and stuff it's it's pretty funny but um i used to hang out there as a teenager all the time because their practice facility is absolutely incredible too they've got a giant you know chipping and short game area that you can go all the way out to like 60 yards and um has a bunker on each side great putting green and you know grass range it's just a really classy, you know, public, public course that's accessible to all, even though it's in a 55 and older community. And then it's also a full 27. So they've actually got another nine hole course called Sierra Pines. That's really, really fun. If you're just trying to get out, like on a Sunday morning, get, you know, around in an hour and a half money, Sierra Pines is where it's at. Yeah. No, it was a great day. And also too, again, kudos to you because being able to, to get that tea time kind of last minute, um, was great to get in kind of another 18 when, uh, you know, basically so much, so many of the courses that we love been punched, but Hey, like we said, they're going to have to punch three times this year due to all this play, but so be it. We're all, you know, we're really lucky to have golf in our lives right now. Yeah. I mean, if they, if we have to have these conditions for a short time, it's definitely worth it to be able to keep the conditions going and keeping the courses pristine with the amount of play that they're getting. Um, you know, I just, I hope that with all this play, you know, people really get dedicated to the game and, and also that means that they're going to do a little bit more research and into the game and maybe, you know, get a little bit more etiquette. Because the big thing, again, that I'm seeing is, you know, not replacing uh, ball marks on the greens and stuff. And 
I mean, that's a forever thing in public golf. And that's, you know, it is what it is. And we've all, you know, grown to expect it in public golf, but I think it's more frequent now than it ever has been that I've noticed. And so I'm hoping that these, that these guys that are hanging on to the game and, you know, really appreciating it, start picking up on that. And, you know, that's something that I definitely, me and you have talked about a little bit about, you know, stressing and trying to get, you know, a little thing for maybe our listeners and anybody getting into the game. If you, if you do reach out to us, either, either on social media, on Twitter or Instagram, um, I'm getting together little packages that we will uh, mail out to you. Um, that gives you a little bit about etiquette and some of the tools uh, for, for etiquette as well. So reach out to us on our, on our social medias and, and we'll definitely get something out to you guys. Um, but did you play any other golf this weekend other than our 36 on Friday? I did. Uh, I played on Sunday morning, which I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was super excited to play. Well, two things. First of all, um, I broke my little diet for a brief period of time. So I drank for the first time in a while, um, which was like a really bad idea. Like it reminds that alcohol is terrible for you and we should all not drink it. <laughs> I had a beer in two Manhattans and then I woke up at five 30 to play at Monarch Bay with uh, Brandon, Ben and Juan and, Chris, my alarm went off at 5.30 and I was like pretty aware like my heart was like kind of like, like I was aware of my heart rate. I was like, it just feels like my heart's like hammering and I get up to like go to the bathroom and I basically like almost pass out. <laughs> like I'm like a cold sweat and I'm like, oh my God, do I like call Brandon? Like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm like, these guys probably aren't even awake. It's 5.30 and I basically just sat there for like 10 minutes, like on the toilet, like with my pants on, you know, I mean, I'm like, I'm like sitting there with like a cold rag on my head. And after 10 minutes, it kind of passed. And I was like, okay, we're going to go do this. But kind of, we're talking about, let's just make tea times at like nine or 10, you know, we can like sleep in have a cup of coffee and not do this to ourselves. Uh, Especially play- when we have uh, the light goes on until about, you know, seven forty-five now. So there's no reason that we need to be playing these crazy early morning rounds. But, however, I guess one counterpoint to that is you asked me when am I playing Monarch Bay, and you said Monarch Bay is a course where you want to play earlier. Else you're gonna have to on a weekend balls. for sure, because I mean, yeah. if you go out there at 10 a.m. on a Sunday, you're gonna be six hours deep. And we played in just over four, so it was actually great. So, Monarch Bay, um, first of all, uh, it's in San Leandro, which is right on the water there. You've got great views of uh, the city. Some of the best I've seen. You have planes landing at SFO. Uh, it's actually a really kind of scenic course. They had punched the greens probably a couple weeks ago, but didn't, you know, maybe there was a couple putts where there was a bump or two, but overall really good. And the course, I wouldn't say it was, um, I wouldn't say it was super hard. Uh, they call it link style. I mean, and honestly, it sort of felt like, Karika, but more Muni, if that makes sense. Like Karika sort of got this, like Karika like feels exotic to me where Monarch Bay is like, if a Muni is like, Hey, we're not, we're going to go for those Karika vibes, but then not quite make it so refined. Um, that's kind of how it felt, but it really interesting green complexes. Um, I sort of like courses where, you know, you're not going to lose a bunch of golf balls. There's certain holes that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like I think number, uh, 10, 12 or 13 
it's a very long par four with like effectively water left, but the water is actually OB. And of course I picked the wrong time to hit my one left drive of the day. And I think I made a seven or an eight. So like that hole doesn't make any sense. Like super long. Brandon said it's always into the wind and there's like OB where it should be red hazard. It's kind of a weird hole, you know, but similarly, I think there was an, another hole 14. That was a, a short par four. Again, I had six iron wedge. You can go for the green, a very Gil Hant style bunker. So really good, really enjoyed it. Um, the only kind of downside was being in the morning. I think it was like 50 and windy. So, I mean, I was wearing a long sleeve shirt, uh, a sweatshirt and a beanie. And then I actually stole Juan's extra jacket and I had my hand warmer and I was like pretty cold, but it's also a reminder too, of like, uh, I think in general, we should all be clubbing up more. It's not a surprise that, you know, I was freezing cold and whatever my yardage was, I was just hitting two more clubs. And I was like, Oh, you know, you cannot go really hard at your stock number. You can just kind of three quarters on, you know, if it's a nine iron hit a seven, just kind of choke it down. And I was like, huh, maybe something here about how I should be hitting my shots instead of trying to kill pitching wedges and hit, you know, max out my distances. But I know that you've been a proponent of for a long time. Yeah. in that course, you know, with the wind um, and it being chilly as well, it definitely forces you to do that because if you try to fight the wind, try to fight the cold there, it's not going to work. And like you said, it's not a challenging course, but that's what makes it challenging. Mm -hmm. So if you fight it and you want to beat yourself up, the course will take it from you. And so you, you really have to, you know, you know, play it well and play it smart and, you know, make it, make it easy on yourself and, you know, club up a bit, choke down and, you know, hit those three quarters much easier to play that course that way. Um, But I Monarch's one of my favorites. It's also one of the best budgets in the, you know, in the entire area um between there and tilden park in berkeley you can get this membership where i can't remember i think it's like 35 or 40 bucks a month but it gives you one free bucket of balls a day uh to come out and hit balls and then also you get a discounted rate which i think the twilight rate super cheap it's like 23 or 24 bucks they have their own special website that you get to book tea times on and so you can book tea times between Tilden and Monarch. And it's such an incredible deal that like, I don't know why more courses don't, don't do it because both courses seem like they're thriving um, with people out there, you know, playing and they're, they're definitely both profitable. They're doing well. So, and they both have great um, halfway houses and, and bars at them as well, bars and restaurants. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're doing it right. They're not overcharging. It's a very reasonable rate for what you're getting. Um, the course is always in, you know, really good shape for the amount of play. I would say Monarch Bay might be one of the most played golf courses in the East Bay. Really? Oh, by far. I mean, I, they've got, so they basically allow people to go out 10 to 20 minutes prior to the sun coming up. And they have carts coming back in 10 to 20 minutes after the sun's down. It, they, they're not like a lot of courses where they, you know, they tell somebody that goes out at five or six o'clock that carts have to be in at six thirty-seven or anything like that. It's they'll, they'll stay out there until the last cart shows up back in the barn and they, 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 
stack tea times, but they also do it in a manner where there's marshals usually out there and there's a starter out there that makes sure that people are staying on pace. So even though that they're stacking tea times seven or eight minutes, you know, after one after another, it's they're also trying their hardest to keep the pace of play. But usually, like I said, if you're on a weekend and you're out there, you know, anytime after between 10 a.m. and two, it it does get brutal. I mean, there's unfortunately the way it's stacked, you know, the 10th hole is a par three. And then it goes into, you know, a short par four and then a long par five over a giant, you know, you know, gaping, you know, water canal. So it backs up pretty heavy right there just because of those three holes. And then there's a bunch of short par three, par fours and uh, par threes on the back end of the back nine. So it, the front nine seems like it flows fairly well throughout the round. And then you get on the back nine and people are grabbing beers and drinks. And with that par three starter, it just, it starts stacking. So that's, that's only downfall with that course, but it's incredible for views and for the, for the rate, for sure. I love Monarch. Yeah. would love to get out there. So big shout out to Brandon for having, for having me out. Cause again, tea times are as good as gold these days. And so super fun to play with those guys. Um, what about you castle Oaks, right? Where we played before. Yeah. Yeah. So got out to castle Oaks again. Um, I had, since it was Easter, uh, my work was closed. So a bunch of my coworkers that I haven't been able to get out and play with because one of us are always working. So it's hard to get all of us out at the same time. So we got out there. It was awesome. Got to play with my, you know, my coworker, Nick Carrera, which is, he's an interesting, you know, individual, if I could say the least. I think you've had the privilege of meeting him a couple of times. I, I love Nick as a person. Uh, he can be a pain in the ass to work with, but um, he's knowledgeable. He knows his shit. Uh, great club fitter, but sometimes I want to strangle him. Uh, but I love, I love Nick and I, dude, you got to play with this kid. I've never seen anybody hit a ball like Nick. So he's got this big, uh, 10 finger gorilla grip on the, on the club. His bottom hand is so low in, in underneath his, his club. It literally looks like he's, he's just, and his stance is completely wide open. So it looks like this guy is going to hit this giant left to right. And he hits this 30 yards right to left on the point, on the dot every single time. I've never seen anything like this. It's this 30, 30 yard right to left. And he hits it in the direct spot that he's looking to aim every single time. I've never seen so, anything like this. So that's like a this. draw for you? What's that? So I, that's I, a draw draw for right-handed. Well, I guess it makes sense because if your hand is under the club that much, you have to hit a draw. But his the way he stands, he's pointing completely left. So I don't know how the ball starts off right and then ends up left. It's it's the most miraculous thing I've ever seen. Well, Chris, it is so consistent Chris, with it. I don't think I've ever told you this. I, I've noticed this. I noticed this for a while, but not that it matters. But you hit a cut and you're dead shut. 
So you're kind of the same as him. Like your feet are always a hundred yards. Yeah. Like you, the way you align to the ball stresses me out because you, I'm always open. Like I hate, I hate despise, uh, just a hate feeling shut. I just can't play golf shut. But the fact that you are dead shut with your feet and hit a cut, it's, I mean, I, I guess it's honestly the same thing. He's, he's open hitting a huge draw. It's bizarre. If you've noticed, I don't hit a cut anymore. Yeah. The last two times we've played, I, you know, I hit a draw now. Yeah. Is that because the, uh, the epic speed is just making everything too straight? No, it's me trying to flatten out my, my swing so that I can get a little bit more distance on it, not come over the top and, and have these insanely large divots with these super flyers. <laughs> That's, that's what I, that's what I'm trying to do. But yeah, I, I definitely had that tendency and I was kind of the opposite of him, but anyway, so got out with Nick, uh, got out with my boy, uh, Carlo, uh, who's one of my managers also shout out to his, his golf brand, uh, Barry, um, Bay area golf. Wow. Bay area golf guys. I, I am not, uh, not able to get that out at all. Um, but yeah, Bay area golf guys, these guys, it's a great brand. Check them out on Instagram. I really love his logo. It's, it's kind of the, the, uh, silhouette of the golden gate bridge from what you see on, on Lincoln number 17, which is kind of a, just the really, really cool little brand. So please check that out. Um, and so got out them in our, in our friend, Tyler, who also used to work at, at our place. So went out to Castle Oaks, one of my, you know, my little hidden gems that I like to get out to as much as possible out in my own, you know, we've gone into talking about Castle Oaks and, you know, past podcasts and they punched a couple weeks before we were out there. So the greens were, you know, a little rough, a little bumpy, but, you know, still was a great, great outing with those guys, especially because I haven't played with Tyler or Nick. So it was, you know, really fun and enjoyable. And Nick, you know, a little fun fact about me, I was a big metalhead in high school. So I was big into like black metal and death metal, which if you see me now, you probably would never guess that that's, that's what I was into. So when Nick first met me, he's fairly young, younger guy. And, uh, he was playing uh, some metal in the, in the shop when he was working on some stuff. And I came in he, you know, I named the band that he was listening to and he goes, Oh, you don't know, you don't know anything about metal. And if you know, Nick, Nick is a, a very dry sense of humor guy. Um, if I could compare him with anyone uh, and Nick might, might be a little mad if I say this, but I'm going to anyway, I compare him to Dwight Schrute in the office um so i am i am his his nemesis so um yeah that's uh that's kind of it's kind of funny our our give and take at work is is pretty comical anyways so he's playing some metal and i i you know i'd name off all the metal bands i listened to in high school and we kind of bonded over that so um anyways just jamming out to metal you know having a good day couldn't, couldn't ask for a better uh, way to spend Easter. Those guys are absolutely awesome at a fun course. So, you know, and again, they've got a great dog on the turn. So I've doubled up on that as well on Sunday. So 
There you go. That sounds great. And then to wrap it up, I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're a public golf podcast, but uh, who's your master's pick, Chris? So this is going to be, I mean, people are probably going to say that this is, you know, joining the bandwagon, but I've been saying this for the last four, easily four months. I've been saying Jordan Spieth as you know, is looking so prime coming into the masters and the masters to me is his second home. He, he plays well there every time that he comes out. Uh, I just, the way he played last weekend, uh, I, I don't see anybody, you know, coming close to him. I think he's just going to come out and he's going to light it on fire. My, my backup call, if I had to have a backup, would be Scotty Scheffler. Uh, I really like his game right now, and I like the way he's playing. So if I had to, if I had to go with somebody, you know, outside of Jordan, I'd go with Scotty. What about yourself? Uh, I think John Rahm is going to win. And the thing I'm going to go ahead and get people prepared for is the over/under on the new dad perspective narrative is going to be like 52 and a half. Like they're going to talk about it the entire time. You know, I remember with Rory, he didn't even play well. And all they could talk about was Rory being a new dad. So, but I just think John Rahm, like, I think they were, uh, I feel like Augusta is one of those places, like a lot of stuff matters, but it really comes down to good iron play. Right. Which you're probably like, Oh, it's probably be Colin Morikawa. But I think that, uh, John Rahm's overdue. I just think it's time for John Rahm to break through. Um, and man, just get ready for a lot of, Oh, Nick, uh, you know, the, the new new dad perspective. I, I actually don't know which now. I was trying to be Ian Baker Finch, but I was trying to sign Nick Faldo. I don't know. Give me John Rahm. Uh, but yeah, oh man, you're gonna have, you're gonna see so many pictures of John Rom and his wife and their baby and the baby and the baby and the perspective of the baby and how you can just free up and how calm his emotions down. So get ready for that. You know, you know one thing. This this is straight take, and I and I hope that someone. Uh, from broadcasting listens, but I think the best add-in to play-by-play for the Masters would be to replace Nick Faldo with Scott Van Pelt. Just saying. Oh, for for sure. I I think Scott Van Pelt is the best thing about the Masters outside of the actual play of the Masters. I totally agree. I mean... He's the man. Anybody that watched or, the little documentary that the or, ESPN or just did, him and Andy North, like, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, Andy, Andy North is like a, a former, you know, major winner who like knows when to be quiet because Jim I mean, Nance is going to make it. The, I mean, I know there's a you got to have Jim Nance in there. I'm sorry, the voice. Yes, I, I mean Jim Nance makes it the Jim Nance show, and then you got Faldo just like talk, you know, be, talking about squashy fades. But that's like, what I'm saying. If you replaced Faldo with with Scott Van Pelt and Jim Nance, that would be an incredible duo. Oh, you want to, you want to know a little, little Jim Nance thing? It's not even a fact about Jim Nance, but my buddy Nick is getting married on Saturday. Shout out to Nick and Kat. Um, and his grandfather is doing, it's like just a family thing. Uh, his grandfather is going to do it. I told Nick that he should require his grandfather to, when they start off to say hello friends and he's going to get his grandfather to do it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Hello, friends. That's 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 the best. I love it. 
Yeah, I'm I'm so Masters Week is it's the best. It's the best. I mean, I'm so excited. Saturday, we're getting together, you know, in the yeah. city at your place to watch it together. So I'm really excited for that. I always love, you know, watching, you know, what I call shipping day, you know, send off day, you know, cut day, whatever you wanna whatever you wanna call, you know, even though that's not technically what Saturday is, but that's what I look at it as and kind of, you know, moving day where kind of everybody has a chance to kind of get to their position to, to make that final push for Sunday. So Saturday is always my favorite, favorite day to watch. For sure. And, uh, with, uh, with on Saturday, we get, uh, our, our, our lady, our, our women get to meet each other. It'd be very exciting to, to kind of have the four of us together. It's uh, heard a lot about Maggie. Well, I, I've had the privilege to meet her when I came and stayed out, but heard a lot about each other. It'd be nice to kind of actually like be all together in the same spot. So I don't actually know that we're, I'm not planning on playing golf this weekend. I just decided it's a good time to take a little two week break, let the greens get better and let us focus on, you know, the best golf in the world, you know? Yeah. And now, now that me and the wife are moving to Portland and, you know, we're, it, it's seeming like the uh, timeline is getting shorter and shorter because of, you know, her work schedule and things like that. Um, I think that we're going to have to start scheduling some, some big time, you know, courses coming up here soon. Pasa baby, it's happening before you leave. We need to get Pasa Tiempo on the books. I think we need to get Yochidehi on the books before yeah. before we leave. Um, there, there's a couple courses that I think that definitely get need to get knocked off before. Yeah, for sure. So um, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but those are the, I'd say those are the two main ones I. I definitely got to get out and play. I de- because we haven't done it together. I think I want to get out and play PG together before we before yeah. I bounce out as well. I really um, play there. Yeah, because you haven't played Pacific Grove yet. No. <sighs> Man, yeah. I mean, I've heard. I know. I've heard. I've heard everybody's responses that. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I mean, poor PG's, man's pebble. Poor man's pebble. Par three starting starting hole. Kind of, kind of just love that. Just a kitschy, yeah. It's it's a really, really great course. So we'll definitely have to make that happen. And you know, it's gonna gonna be bittersweet to leave, but it's just gonna give us more options together and for the podcast to get you know a little bit more variety of courses to play and you know different locations. And um, as the podcast grows, the more travel hopefully we'll be able to do and throw in some public courses outside of the West coast. And I know we're definitely going to get back to your home, home area and, and get some, get some courses in on there. So I'm, I'm really excited for the future of the podcast and, you know, thank you again to all of our listeners uh, and people that have subscribed because we've really enjoyed the feedback that we've gotten. And I hope more of you guys reach out to us again on our social media platforms, uh, municipals golf, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. So please reach out first, to us. First tweet came today. First tweet came Again, today. Not a, not, not a content machine yet, but there has been a tweet. We're coming. We're coming. We're, we're growing with the content machine, but um, <laughs> that's something both of us, I think need to get, get better at and work on, but please follow us, go on there, 
um, reach out to us if you're if you're in our area. Hey, we're always looking for to add somebody to our foursome. So reach out to us. We'll definitely, you know, see see what our schedule is and get out and hopefully, you know, play with some of you guys too. So um again, great, great night, great time list or top chatting with you, you know, getting it in. I had a blast on Friday. That's it. Yes, sir. Totally agree. And uh, happy masters time for pimento cheese and Arnold Palmer's and egg salad sandwiches and um, a whole bunch of legendary content. So we shall see, but it's going to be, it's going to be a fun weekend. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. Always a pleasure. Talk to you next week. Peace. Late.